0: In New York call 8778 HOPE and or text HOPE and In Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21+ plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See b bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkitt, a writer for Winnie City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by E.J. Snyder. E.J., Bears are two and one. What could possibly be going wrong?
2: Oh, nothing. I think everybody's floating on cloud nine,
1: walking around happy. Isn't that what you've experienced for the past couple of days? Yeah, Bears Twitter is absolutely the happiest I've ever seen it. There's no dissent. There's no arguments. Everybody is in a good mood.
2: Seems completely reasonable to me. So I guess our work is done here and we can come back next
1: week. I don't think we need any evals. Yeah, we'll just take off. We'll just drink beer and and talk about something else. Maybe we'll talk about great movies. Yeah, like, I don't know, Point Break, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe because you have an awesome t-shirt on from our friends at Homage. If you like the t-shirts over at Homage, click on that link. That's in the YouTube box and on our website. Takes you to our affiliate link and, you know, helps us out. But cool, cool T-shirts. I've already worn my homage T-shirts for the week because I, I feel like I've just been living on this camera this week. <laughs> uh, but good stuff. Um, I really like my Tops football one, which is like a, a neutral football shirt. It's just a it's just a Tops trading cards uh, logo, which I kind of love. And I I'm I'm flirting with the idea if if that if that uh, 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 Bucks game gets relocated to Minnesota. I I think I might go, and I think I might I might wear my tops football shirt because I don't want to. I'm just there to watch the game, you know. May the May the better team win. I'm I'm not there to cheer for any team or another. So uh, they got some really cool stuff. You've got uh, they've got a whole pop culture section. You dipped into that. There's a couple shirts that you pulled from that. It's a lot of fun ones. Um, So so check those out if you're your t shirt supply. Everybody's t shirt supply needs to be replenished regularly. So um, check that out. But yeah, the Bears uh, were able to get in the win column. Once again, they're, they're two and one They're They're tied for the NFC North lead, you know, although they have got tiebreaker issues with that. If you are already starting to talk about the NFC North, but Lovey Smith's homecoming was tarnished with uh, a loss that that white beard wasn't, wasn't working for the Texans. They hung in. Texans obviously could have won that game, but the bears were able to make the plays when they needed to, uh, kind of a fun win if you take away the the whole quarterback situation and, and what's happening with the passing game. But any big thoughts before we dive into the beers and, and then our player evals,
2: you know, I'll take a win any week and, you know, but again, we talked about this. It, it's sort of disingenuous to say that because we talked about this at the start of this season. How are we going to talk about this Bears season? What's important for this Bears team? And it's it's not wins this year. Every year, wins are important. But wins aren't the top thing this year. And if you think they are, you're probably not seeing this correctly or understanding where the Bears started out, which was a deep, deep hole that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy dug for the franchise and Ryan Poles and Matt Ibraflus are, are trying to pull the Bears out of. It's about getting more talent in the building. It's about clearing the books off financially and making sure that they have the freedom next year to not be encumbered by all those previously poor financial decisions. Um, Those are the biggest things. So this year we're looking for development in the offense, development in young players, seeing who is going to be sticking around. And there was some of that in this game as well. So a win is nice, uh, fun to spoil Lovey's homecoming. The running game was very good to see. Again, this is pieces, parts, not all the parts working great, but the running game worked very, very well. Um, And nice to see a team kind of, quote unquote, learn how to win, right? Hang around in a close game. There are a lot of close games in the NFL. Kick a field goal at the end and come out with a W. You have to do that three four five times a year in the nfl i don't care who you are we saw the bucks do it a couple weeks ago like this this is a thing nfl teams have to do to be good and win games so there were some positives obviously overshadowed by the qb development conversation that we talked about in the pre-party but you know uh good weather not a monsoon uh the turf the new turf looked really nice which is uh if you're familiar with chicago football a big deal uh and you know i Overall, I don't want to say it was like enjoyable uh, as a game, but I'll take the development
1: pieces. I'll take the win. Not bad. Yeah, not much to add. More than I already have on two uh, review shows uh, to start the week. So I'm just going to launch into beer. I brought on New Glarus Brewing Company's Belgian Red Beer. It's a oh. very good beer. I've had this before. I don't know if I have brought it on the pod before. I feel like mm-hmm. maybe. I know I've brought some New Glarus stuff on, but I'm excited for this. Um, so I'm just going to get this going while you tell me what you got. Yeah, I'm I'm
2: uh I'm jealous because I'm familiar with nuclearus offerings but I've never had their red and I love reds. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It oh, just
1: exploded on me so that was fun. That's
2: okay. This the, we are professionals. I've had that happen on a podcast before and you managed it quite nicely. Uh, minimum spillage. Minimum spillage. We love that. No no new keyboard needed. Oh. I was down in Texas, not last weekend, but weekend before, and did a beer run because we were going to my buddy's house, and I didn't want to show up empty-handed. So one of the beers we took over um, was labeled as a red, and its name was something Rojo, and it was by a local brewery, and I was like, yeah, I love reds, great. I didn't have one until the next day. I had some of the other beers uh, that we took over that night. We went back over the next night um, to sort of pre-funk before the Texas game because he lives very close to the stadium. And I was like, I'm going to have one of those reds. I swear to God, I pull out the red, crack it open, (laughs) take a pull off that thing, and was just mind blown. Tastes like Mountain Dew Code Red. Like it straight up tastes like Mountain Dew Code Red, which I don't drink, but I have had before it it's red soda, whatever the red soda yeah, is right. where you live. Big red, Mountain Dew Code Red. And I'm like, what? Because I don't like my beers tasting like soda. And I look and it says brewed with red soda.
1: So okay. Well, let's let's I gotta I gotta need some clarification. Mountain yeah. Dew Code Red is yeah. cherry Mountain Dew big red is cream soda
2: it's all red and very sweet
1: yeah well yeah yeah yeah
2: but and that's vanilla, what this right? was in a can that was okay. labeled just, beer cheery. yeah not okay. a not a seltzer this was labeled as a beer and i cracked it poured it back and was like oh my god because <laughs> not my thing and then i look on the can it is brewed with red soda and i was like all okay. right this is interesting glad i didn't buy it was came in a four pack which was really nice because i didn't have a whole lot to get rid of but i was like no 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 um anyways i did not bring one of those today i brought uh, a good solid beer from silver city brewing uh this is their octoberfest lager it is 6.2 by volume um silver city is a brewery right up in paulsville washington love many of their offerings have featured many of them uh on the pod before but their octoberfest lager is a really good one. Uh, very solid representation of the style and just showed up in stores. So I nabbed it.
1: Awesome. Well, let's get them going and let's get into this. So for those of you that are new to our new format, just a quick recap, we're going to dive into one player each. Some weeks we'll dive into the same player. We haven't done that yet. We've each taken a different player so far. I'm waiting for Justin Fields to have a somewhat relevant game for us to dive into it. Um, just for <laughs> full disclosure, that's what's happening, and we'll both dive into Justin when that happens. But uh, so far, we've each taken a different player. My choice this week was Braxton Jones. Um, I wanted to look at Braxton Jones this week because, look, this is a fifth-round rookie player that's that's started and played at left tackle from day one. Like, what the heck? Like, let let's let's look at this and let's see how he's doing. I really liked the matchup. That this provided Jerry Hughes. He's not, you know, this is not an all pro guy. You know, he's not going up against Nick Bosa or anything like that. But this is Jerry Hughes. He's been around the league for a long time. He's in his 13th year. So he's a savvy vet. He's going to have a speed move. He's going to have counters off that speed move. He's going to have a long arm like he's going to have everything in his pass rush toolkit that you could ask a young tackle to be prepared for. And he's going to have little games that he plays with his hands. He's going to have a lot of stuff that, that he, you know, a veteran savvy veteran defensive end is going to show. And so I I, I figured that he'd be going up against Braxton a lot. That's I was focused on that from the start. That's who I wanted to watch. So that was, uh, that was my choice for the week. You made the choice um, of who you were going to take by basically blocking me from doing it through a text message
2: hundred percent said you can have anybody you want except this guy because you got your choice last week you needed you needed the salve of David Montgomery after the Packers game and I don't blame you one bit I was like I get Khalil Herbert this week Khalil Herbert was a guy that I really liked in the draft uh he was huge value for the Bears we'll talk about that um showed some real flashes as a rookie and then unfortunately because of a David Montgomery injury we never want to see anybody get injured but he was featured in this game and showed everybody what i thought he would which is hey with the featured role he can produce like a lead back uh in the nfl and then some and we had again like you said you're waiting for a justin field's game that feels relevant to talk about justin field's game this is a very relevant game for khalil herbert and it's an important conversation moving forward because david montgomery is up for contract khalil herbert is an extremely affordable option based on where he was drafted so we need to talk about his game and was this just lucky or was this an indication of a skill we could count on or skills we could count on going forward as Bears fans
1: very timely since we did the Montgomery thing last week so uh, it's good it's good to have this I I just for the record it wasn't the text wasn't I I did not receive a text from EJ that said hey Jeff I want to cover Khalil Herbert this week the text that I got was you don't get to do Khalil Herbert this week. That was the text that I received. And I just responded back. You don't know me. You don't know that that's what I wanted to do. And I I mean, of course, I would have taken it had it not been there. <laughs> Somebody needed to do it. But I wasn't going to take the first pick this week or anything. I, so. I thought it
2: was a typo on your part. I thought you were trying to type. You don't own me. Well, there's that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which I is just, true. I just should have just done it.
2: I'm not your mother uh, No, I want to do other things you know yeah
1: I, I, for sure. although I will say I feel a little bit more comfortable looking at offensive line play than a lot of other uh, positions and and particularly in a tight tight time crunch I'm gonna probably lean back on looking at offensive line and there's a lot of offensive line tape to look at this year so I, I you know I'm gonna look at Kevin Jenkins, multiple times. I'm going to look at Braxton Jones multiple times. I'm probably going to look at Larry Bora multiple times. That just is what it is because of where this team's at and where my comfort level lies. So, um, I'm not gonna, not gonna necessarily go out on a limb and try to quick, do a quick evaluation of, uh, you know, Jaquan Brisker, right. right. Like you know, <laughs> you know say uh, I got a little work to do on safety. So, yeah. uh, we flip a coin. Do you have the coin or do you want me to keep going?
2: Uh, I'll keep, you can keep flipping the coin and my call will be the
1: same. I am staying with my losing ways. Okay, well, I'm <laughs> I'm flipping an Iowa quarter. Tails. So it is heads. <laughs> see? I am... This is 0 for 3? You go three. first. This is 0 for fine. 3. Okay, you, you
2: defer. Uh, But I'm going to see how long this streak keeps going because at some point it's just going to become improbable. Uh, all right, so Khalil Herbert, uh, let's talk about all the basics. Drafted in the 6th round. Keep that in mind, folks. Sixth round. Every year, there are low-round running backs who produce, UDFA running backs who produce, and produce very, very well. If you're going to spend a first-round pick on a running back, just don't. Like, just don't at this point. He was number 217 overall. He came out of Virginia Tech. That's a little bit of a misnomer. Started his college career at Kansas uh, prior to his final season, which was in Blacksburg. He was a grad transfer. So his official school is Virginia Tech. Spent a bunch of time at Kansas before that. He's 24 years old. He's 5'9, a little bit short on the running back side, but not terribly so, and 212 pounds. That comes into play on his relative athletic score. It was only 6.92. Typically, you'd like to see it be a little bit higher. Um, Athleticism is mm, very desirable at a position like running back. The reason that his RAS was not great was twofold. One, size worked against him. Again, that height measurement put him up with a, quote-unquote, less than ideal size compared to other running backs. And his explosive metrics were not terribly explosive. So these are the things that basically devalued his relative athletic score uh and probably quite frankly allowed him to fall all the way to the bears uh speed he was 448 40 guy and he had a 1.58 second 10 yard split were big pluses on his evaluation he is very fast um the biggest attributes though were vision and cuts and the combination of the two and we'll talk about those characteristics and how they combine a bunch in the runs he had this week. Um, they're lethal when he combines them in the way that he does. We saw that multiple times this week against the Texans. 2022 production so far he's got 240 rushing yards on 33 carries. That's 7.3 per tote. He is an explosive runner, three touchdowns, a long of 52. Only four receptions for 13 yards. He's not a huge weapon in the passing game. He's what I would call functional. In the passing game, uh, he can get better. I think he has those skills, but that's not where he's at right now in his development. Um, I don't have his run blocking or his pass blocking grade or reached out to PFF for that. Uh, they don't have it yet in their table. Uh, they do. It is something they track, though, so I'll try and fill that in later that's Khalil Herbert in a nutshell. It's where he came from. He's been in the Bears a couple of years. The reason he's relevant is the conversation that everyone's having about David Montgomery. Ryan Poles has already talked about that. Will you or won't you extend David Montgomery? We love David Montgomery. He's a very tough runner. We saw his talents when you reviewed uh, against the Packers. Very talented guy, but running back is a high injury position. And if you've got one under contract, who's a tremendous value, who can give you this kind of production, it makes it so you don't have to give a bad extension to a running back. If David Montgomery wants to take a hometown discount to stay with the Bears, I'd love that. He's a great player. If he wants to hold them over a barrel and get every dime, the Bears can say, see ya, knowing they've got Khalil Herbert in the barn. Um, let's talk about the all 22. Again, I'll give a quarter and the actual game time measurement when the play started. Uh, because not everybody has access to all 22. So first quarter, uh, 825 to go. This is his first rep in the ball game. David Montgomery's had several good rushes, uh, ends up going down, staying down in pain leaves. Khalil Herbert comes in from the very first rep. We see a really good run. He's got a great little hesitation. This is designed to be basically an inside run between left guard and tackle. They put up two duo blocks. That means two guys on one defender trying to open up the hole tight end and tackle go one way garden center, go the other way and they open this hole and the hole is there. He runs up to that and linebackers fill, which is great. So he sort of slides in behind that left tackle tight end block, waits to see what happens and then scrapes and goes to the next aisle over, if you will, and goes off left tackle. So not exactly where the run was designed to go, But in doing that, and this is something he does over and over again, he draws defenders into the mess. They have to sort of commit, and they get tangled up in the defensive lineman. He squirts to the outside. That's great feel. That's great vision. It's not a tremendous cut. He's basically stepping over about half a lane. Um, Then he absolutely destroys the Texans linebacker, Grugio Hill, with a stiff arm. And I mean destroys. Like, he puts this guy in the ground so his cleats are pointing straight up. Like he buries this guy that's mm, only about three or four yards after he took the handoff. Um, He ends up picking up another mm, four and a half yards after that stiff arm. Keep that in mind too. We're going to talk about yards. He quote unquote earned that were all on him that weren't blocked up, but he did something. He made a cut. He broke a tackle. He made somebody miss and yards after that. I'm just sort of putting directly in his bucket. So we know what the total is we're going to see how many directly attribute to him. So great first effort from him. Good feel, good cut, massive stiff arm, earns a bunch of extra yards with that. Uh, 7.28 in the first quarter. This is from the Texans 22. This is a straight middle run. There's not a lot to this. Um, Breaks a tackle at the 19, so four yards after he got the handoff, basically picks up an additional plus eight through contact. Now we talked about his size, 5.9, 2.12, very strong, not just a speed guy at all. Runs through contact very well, twists very well, uses leverage. Um an additional eight yards after contact, basically running straight up the middle is pretty damn impressive. Um he does it here. 645 in the first quarter. This is a fullback lead. Carrying blasting games in front of him. He commits inside to draw the blockers into the wash again. He basically follows and says, I'm going to the middle steps right up to the line. So he could basically touch his blockers that basically draws everybody in. Then he takes a look at what's there and goes the way he needs to follows beautifully to the outside. Blasting game picks off the outside defender and then perfectly cuts it back inside and finishes with power for the touchdown. This is the first touchdown run. Um, If you look at that, again commits puts a foot in the ground draws some people in gets to the outside follows that block and then says nope i'm going to cut it back inside almost sort of cuts back twice like cuts back and then adjusts his cut back and then finishes with power extends across the goal line a bunch of things on display and the bears pick up six
1: this is actually going to be a play that i wanted to talk about with braxton as well because he sticks on his block he he wins the rep early like he, he he does a really nice job, wins the rep early. And then he stalks his guy downfield as the play continues, and he makes a second block on the same guy. And that guy could have stopped Herbert short uh, by a yard, but he, because Braxton kept with his block and made a second block on the guy, uh, Herbert was able to score. So it was a an assist from Braxton. So this is the play where this these two guys really came together, um, and he got a plus grade for me on that one. That was above and beyond for, for the young tackle.
2: Multiple, multiple contributions in this particular play. And that's what it takes to have a long rushing touchdown in the NFL. Blasting game has a good block. Um, you know, the rest of the line basically sort of washes, basically cuts, right. Um, it's basically a right shift to sort of move those guys out of the way. And, you know, Braxton's got to stock his guy. Blasting game's got to get his block. Uh, Herbert's got to set up the run correctly and cut it back. All of those things need to come into play for a long touchdown. They get one early. A lot of people didn't think this was a score when it happened because he extended the ball kind of in the pile signal comes up. I think the Texans were a little bit stunned, uh, that, Hey, Montgomery went out of the game. Maybe they, you know, let their guard down a little bit. Hey, this is the backup. And he rips off a 20 plus yard touchdown. and, And that's pretty impressive. So, um, we get into the second quarter early in the second quarter, 1449. He's this is the one I was talking about. He's open as the dump off. He he basically flexes out. Um, he's in an inline, almost an inline alignment. Justin just never sees him. He flexes out. It's like a four-yard curl. He goes out, puts his numbers up to the quarterback, says, Hey, if you're in trouble, I'm the guy. He's he's got, I believe, Braxton coming back into his lap. Braxton's 70. Yep. Yep. Braxton's coming back into his lap. Justin really doesn't ever get time to look at him he's there he doesn't hit him is it justin's fault no blocking didn't really hold up you know it's just a just one of those plays um second quarter 14 18 inside handoff again presses the block this is a running back skill that's really critical and you see a lot of runners especially young runners that don't have success don't aren't practitioners of this skill. You need to get right up on the rump of your blocker and be there so that you can basically feel him, see which way the leverage is going on that block, draw the defenders in, and then get left or right. Herbert is excellent at pressing blocks. He does it all the time. Presses this block uh, and cuts back to pick up 10. like Gets outside. Again, feels that leverage, says, nope, just going to slide inside, picks up 10. Uh, It's that skill. It's one demonstrable skill that he has over and over again. You'll see it in most of the long runs he had in this game. He'll press a block. Uh, We go all the way down to 46 seconds before halftime. Uh, There's a bunch of Ebner plays. You're wondering what the big gap is. Tristan Ebner came in and basically was sort of 50-50 for um, the rest of that quarter. Uh, they had an interception drive there's a bunch of things that went on. So Herbert doesn't get his really next quantitative touch until 46 seconds left before halftime. This is a middle run. He shows patience, hesitation, and curvilinear movement, curvilinear movement, big word, not my word. This is a steal from Matt Waltman, one of my favorite analysts who does the RSP, the rookie scouting portfolio, talks about curvilinear movement and how running backs that use it well make people miss. So on this, he makes a tackler miss. He never touches him. It's not what you would consider a juke or a jab step or anything else. He basically hesitates, gets out, and then starts running a curve and basically just runs around this guy that dives at him but can't reach him because he's running on a curve um so he doesn't really get contact but that guy would have been an able and willing tackler had he done literally anything else um so this is i give him a plus five on this one because the guy dove at him about six yards into the run and he picked up five more after that and again it's because of the way he chose to attack the angle and the defender um This is You're starting to get a picture of a multi-talented, multi-faceted back. It's not just power. It's not just speed. It's not just cuts. It's not just vision. Uh, It's not just timing. It's all of those things. And what Herbert's able to do, and we saw this last year as well, which were some of his really sort of splash plus plays as rookie, he strings those things together. He uses four or five of those things in a single run where another runner might have picked up eight or nine or 11, and he ends up picking up 15 or 17 or 20. 25 because he just sort of keeps pressing defenders one way or another, making them miss, running through them, running around them, and the ability to string moves together is what makes him really, really special.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that jumps out at you is that he looks like he shot out of a cannon, right? So that like zero to sixty and nothing flat is what you see immediately, and you say, oh, this is just a this is just a really fast guy, right? This is just one of those guys that just he can fly, but you know, he's going to just go down. Easy, you know, he's not gonna have any moves because there's plenty of running backs that are like that where they all they have is speed. They just they're just a speed tool. But you are seeing just how many tools he was showing off when he was given the runway to do so.
2: Yeah. Next play is uh the last play before halftime. Uh runs off the right tackle versus a loaded box. There are eight guys and they're all just lined up in a line right along the offensive line and the and the tight ends of the Bears. So it's a loaded block, loaded box. Bears just down block left. That, this is super basic blocking, basically. Everybody angle left about 30 degrees, fire out, and push your guys. So they down block to the left. He shows great hesitation going off the right edge, right tackle, um, and gains nine against a loaded box. Like They knew it was coming. It was a very straight block. There's, there's no window dressing on this play, no major motion misdirection, orbit. Mm-mm, nope. He just gets it, presses that block up, waits for i believe it's cole comet uh on that end of the line to sort of move a guy about half the yard out of the way guns it and runs through contact for you know nine yards so that's the half seen a bunch of stuff demonstrated haven't seen the big run yet that's coming but overall how'd you feel about that first half watching it uh because it was mostly him
1: herbert or montgomery went out middle little less than middle first quarter well i just i kept thinking how how Bad, I felt for David Montgomery because he's coming off this great game. You know, we talked about it all week in different shows. Like, look, they're going to find a way to get Monty a touchdown here because he had such a great game and didn't get in the end zone last week. And, you know, you see the success that Khalil Herbert had and you think David Montgomery had, he was going to have some success on the ground. You know, he was going to have another 100-yard game. I, I think that I feel confident in saying that. He was going to get a touchdown or two, right? Like, you you could feel that this was going to be another nice Game for David Montgomery, and you know he's an easy guy to cheer for, and so part of me was that, and then the other part of you is like, and that was the worst thing to happen to David Montgomery because you give this this younger back an opportunity here, and he's showing that he's more than just the speed guy, he's more than just the guy that gets shot out of the cannon and is the change of pace. Like this guy looks like he can carry the load, and I know people are gonna say, well, it's just the Texans defense, but you know, these are professional defenders. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of savvy veterans on this de- defense here. These are not just guys that are, you know, uh, never, you know, don't deserve to play in the NFL. They, they've they kind of filled that defense with a, uh, a collection of players and he looks real. I mean, and that, that's, that was my takeaway more than anything. I was like, eh, he looks real. The bear, the bears have an embarrassment of riches at running back.
2: I would agree. Their running back room is as loaded in the first two spots uh, as any running back room in the league. And I think that's probably a controversial statement for people that don't know Khalil Herbert and haven't paid attention for people that have watched him run. I don't think there's really any argument with that statement. So we open up the third quarter, um, first real, this is, this is the big one. The first real impactful touch, uh, 1125 left in the third quarter, huge hole up the middle. So this isn't the running back's fault. This is a good plus play for the Bears. Uh, It's basically a spread formation. Um, The Texans defenders don't pack in. They leave a space in the middle, and there is a massive hole. You could drive a truck through the hole that Khalil Herbert runs through. I'm not going to blame him for having a great hole. He makes use of it. Here's the difference. He breaks an ankle tackle. Outruns pursuit for 52 yards. 43 of those yards were after the ankle tackle attempt. So if he gets tripped up there and stumbles and picks up two or three more yards, this is a a good gain. This is a nine or maybe 12 yard gain, depending on where he ended up rolling to. He keeps his balance and in keeping his balance, accelerates and just breaks a couple angles, period, with again, that acceleration you were talking about earlier. 52 yards in one run, 43 of them are on him. So at nine yards, this could have been you know, basically just a first down run, instead becomes a massive explosive play, one of the biggest plays of the day for the Bears. Um, 825 left in the third quarter. This is just a plunge, but he keeps turning, keeps his legs moving. This is the second TD. This is more just feel and will. This is sort of from the goal line, gets in, turns his back, and this is a skill running backs either just sort of have or don't. I don't know if there's a great way to teach this. It's a bit innate. Like, how do you just keep your leverage, keep twisting until you can find that little bit of a vacuum and and just force your way into it? He does it. They score. It's not super pretty or amazing, but some running backs have that quote unquote nose for the goal line. Some don't. He could have been stopped on this play, ends up pushing through for the touchdown, his second on the day. Uh, we jumped to the fourth quarter, 12-38 left, another fullback lead play with Blassingame um, from the Bears' own eight. So he gets contact at the 12, four yards past the line of scrimmage and bulls for another four after being wrapped up. That's a very positive game. There's falling forward for a yard, there's pushing forward for two yards, and then there's sort of twisting and pushing and bullying and getting four yards after solid contact. Um, just adds to his total. Last play, I want to talk about 305 left in the fourth quarter, getting near the end of the game again, very close game. These are important touches, right? Bears end up winning this thing by a field goal. Um, Ball starts at the Chicago 12. He pushes the left edge blocks really well, then does that patented sort of break outside, drops a defender with another stiff arm at the 13 and speeds up the left edge for 19 the defender contacted him one yard past the line of scrimmage and he dropped him again. He has a very good stiff arm. So 18 of these 19 yards are on him. Um, Tristan Ebner does not show that kind of elusiveness. He probably would have had a one yard gain here. Nothing against Tristan Ebner. He does not. He is more of the speed guy. Uh, he is a better receiver. He is different things than Khalil Herbert, but right here, he probably picks up 1.5 yards. Khalil Herbert picks up 19. Um, as a total body of work the overall impact on the outcome of the game is huge he piled up the lion's share of the biggest rushing day of the bears have had since 1982 they got 281 yards he was responsible for 157 and 2 TDs 82 and a half of those were extra yards directly attributed to him broken tackle making a guy dive and miss couple of massive stiff arms 82 of 157 was production that he created with skill. That's a thing, folks. (laughs) You're talking about an 80-yard day would have been a very good day. 80 yards in the NFL against professional defenders. Solid day, would have powered the offense. Fully understand that. Basically twice that on merit because you are a very good runner you are extremely good at what you do and you have a variety of skills that's a guy that can be a lead back and we need to start talking about him as the lead back in 2023 because if montgomery presses the bears and says i need all the money and that's nothing against david montgomery get your money you play the most fungible position in professional sports right get your get paid while you can but if he's going to press the bears and they need to put money in other areas no. Full well that Khalil Herbert can be your lead back. He's 24. He's fairly low mileage. He has a multitude of skills. You can get more running backs in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, the undrafted free agency round to fill in that room behind him. Feel confident that the Chicago rushing attack will be top flight if they have to let Montgomery walk because he is not willing to take anything less than top dollar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way to approach it. If I remember off the top of my head last week, I had Montgomery in the 80s for the yards that he created as well. Now, we're two different people and maybe judging things slightly differently. Somebody else might come in and say, you guys are nuts. I I see 60. You know, these are our own opinions. And we haven't been doing this exact thing together for long enough to know that, like, oh, I I would have I would have had 82 and a half yards as well. Right. Like that's I don't know. That we're comparing, I think we're comparing apples to apples, but it might be you know, Macintosh to Honeycrisp, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's oh, just look a at little the bit... fall comparison out of you, heck yeah, man! Yeah, I, I got my jacket. I mean, I'm a Midwesterner, I got a little jacket I, on, you're all I got, good but here. I still got shorts on. I mean, like, this is this is the time, right? <laughs> this, this is, is the uh, time. Was it what, what's uh, you know, uh, hot girl summer transitions to fat boy fall? You know, here we go, does it. That's that's we're in we're in Fat Guy Fall. That, that's okay, all right, fair enough. I'll take your word for it. This is the time. You're the man. Shine. You're the man on the scene in the Midwest. Time to shine. So yeah, I think if you wanted to compare the two games, I I think they're similar. It, it Montgomery's week two and, and and Herbert's game three here. So uh, and and so like you're saying, if you're going to get, they're different, but if you're going to get a similar level of production from Khalil Herbert as your lead and you can find a secondary piece in next year's draft or next year's free agency or whatever. Um, and you just have that as a philosophy where you're going to continue to bring in a new person for the, for the running back room, or have somebody sign that you can get under, uh, you know, a reasonable amount for, for dollars wise. It's probably the right approach from an analytics standpoint. It just sucks as bears fans. Cause you want to see those running backs and you want, you know, cause, that's part of the identity of the franchise you want to see these guys that stick around for a while accumulate the yards you know be those fixtures they're easy guys to root for so there is that piece of it that i have a hard time with that i do think is important to team building and fandom and all that but you you should feel good about cole herbert as the guy waiting in the wings and if if you didn't before sunday you you certainly should now (laughs) Uh, well, we let's take a quick break. Let's let somebody pay for these beers. And then on the other side of this, we'll get into Braxton Jones.
3: Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that T-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break. But it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last.
1: All right, EJ, let's talk about Braxton Jones. So here's what I did for Braxton Jones. So it's you, you got to watch all of the plays because he's in all of the plays. And I, I used Lester's system with a little bit of my twist. I did the same thing for Tevin Jenkins where you go through, you watch every play, and you say, you know, did he make the block? Is it, is this a reasonable play here for, for him to have made. And if he makes the block, you give him a. I give him a zero, like a, a an O um, on my mark. Lester would give him a plus. I reserve the plus for like a plus play, like a something that really stands out, like uh, you know a, a point of attack block that really moves the man off the spot, opens up a hole, a you know a one on one pass block where he stonewalls a guy, you know, give, gives the quarterback extra time, like a, a really impressive offensive line play. Gets a plus for me. And then a, a minus is, you know, got beat, missed the block, his man made the tackle, right? Like it, it, it's it's fairly basic. There's plenty of subjectivity. Somebody else could go through this tape and have a very different opinion on what the overall grade is. I, I fully accept that. This is how I did it. Um, letting you know my approach. Um, 61 plays is what I graded. I had him as 51 out of 61. Uh, of making his block so that's an it's an 84 percent. i think that if you want to think of it as a school <laughs> like back in school 84 is a b i think that it's maybe a little lower than that um i think i would have uh docked him a little bit more for some of the negative plays it just it feels like a lower letter grade than a b so there's there's that um, and then I only had two plus plays for him, which I think over an entire game, especially in a game where there's a ton of production that piled up in the run game, you might expect a little bit more of a, of plus plays here, but I only had two that really, really stuck out to me as being worthy of pluses. Again, this is a young player. He's a fifth round rookie left tackle. He's got plenty of room to grow. Um, but the overall take, and I'll get into some specific plays here, but the overall takeaway for me was he he looks like he is a professional football player and he belongs on the field, but he also has a long way to go in certain aspects of his game. A couple plays to try to demonstrate that. I'll start with positive, and I'm going to sandwich this. I'm going to sandwich this. <laughs> and it it just worked out that way because that's how the quarters worked out. So quarter one, seven thirteen left. Uh, this is a run play he's got number 56 across from him i don't remember that guy's name uh off the top of the snap wins the rep and just drives his man off the ball and then his guy peels off and runs downfield and he sticks with the block and this is what i was talking about earlier that this is the touchdown run but he sticks with the block and makes a second block on that same player to allow herbert to get into the end zone and i just i love that nature of a of a run block where the play's not over until the whistle blows and he, you know, he won his block. He could have very well just stood there um, and, and just said, well, that, you know, I did my job. The play's over, but he continued to stalk his guy. I was able to to push him into the end zone. And that made the difference. I think at the end there, not that the bears wouldn't have scored uh, at the one yard line, but that's a, that's a really nice block there to, it's like a double block. So to me, that was a positive. That was one of his pluses. Was it 56? You said, yeah, that's book book. That's Thomas Booker. Okay. Well, I didn't no. look up. I, no, I, I, no. To me, I, it was all about 55. Right. Right. For uh, sure. yeah. Jerry For Hughes. Hughes. That was yep. who I was wanted to watch him against. And then a 96 is uh, uh, Malik. Uh, the big yeah, defensive challenge. tackle. Uh, yep. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: No book. We interviewed at uh, Shrine. Oh, okay. Thomas Booker, defensive tackle, Stanford ended up getting drafted by the Texans. Uh, great, great dude. Rookie as well uh so that's fun uh so if you want to see the interview head over to the uh, bootleg football clips channel there's a really cool like 10 minute shot with us talking him talking with book at uh the shrine bowl very very smart football player
1: all right we'll see now i didn't look up all these other guys that weren't jerry hughes that's okay Uh, so that's that's on me uh but malik collins is number 96 so that's the next play that i wanted to talk about so this is a running play um this is uh, Malik uh, makes the the play in the backfield for for a loss here, and this was I'm I'm blaming half of this on Cody Whitehair. The you know, Whitehair gives absolutely no like he, he you can tell that he's supposed to help uh, Braxton secure the block here. Like he kind of puts his arm out to the side and then he runs to the second level, um, and 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 uh, the, the defender does a really nice job of crashing in and then maintaining that leverage throughout and, and never letting Braxton get uh, inside of him. And then he just runs him down, down the line and makes the play. So you can just kind of see Braxton Jones running with uh, the defender and the defender ends up making the play. That's, I'm giving Braxton a minus on that, but that's, that's really on white hair there. Like he has to come in and get to a little bit more work there to make sure that block is is secured because that's a good player in front of him. And you, you have to make sure that, that that block is secured there. So I'm it it is a negative for Braxton because his man made the play behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he didn't make the block. And so just from grading is what it is. You have to give a minus here, but that's really on white hair. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, we, we talked about here, we, we talk about, uh, with Lester is that it takes time for these guys to gel. It takes time. So that's why it's really important to get the, your best five out there, let them play, let them see what happens, let them gel. Right. So that's one of those things that I, I think they probably stop the film there in the offensive line room. And they say, okay, (laughs) like what happened here, Cody? Like, what were you thinking here? You know, you got to do a little more than just like put your hand out. And and so I, I wanted to mention that one because I thought it was it's very easy to blame Braxton and, and I and I'm doing it, but he also need to blame the guard there because he's not doing his job in in making sure that a tackle has that. It's more important to get that giant defensive lineman blocked than it is to get the linebacker on the second level. So, the um, one I wanted to highlight, the third play I want to highlight. This was a, a pass pro rep. Um, it, this is a quarter two seven twenty one left. This is against Jerry Hughes. I, I could have probably highlighted all of the Jerry Hughes. I could have talked about them all. Um, I, he gave me exactly what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I wanted to watch this game. Uh, Jerry Hughes knows what he's doing. You don't stay in the league uh, for yeah. 13 years, especially at defensive line, to, without knowing what you're doing. Um, this was a pure speed move. Um, this was amazing to me, though, that Hughes wins Instantly at the line, Braxton's like spinning around. This is the play action rollout away from Braxton Jones. That somehow Jerry Hughes just doesn't get the sack. Like he he's he's chasing, and I think he goes for the strip sack, and he kind of dives at Fields. I don't think Fields knows that he's getting chased, and he somehow escapes the sack. This is what our coaches would call a lookout block. (laughs) where you get beat so fast that as you're turning around, you go look out because that's the only way you're giving your quarterback any protection is to yell at him that you just got completely beat. And this is, I mean, to me, this is like a double negative. Like there's no way that this backside defensive end should be anywhere close to making a play on a play action rollout on the other side. But because he is instantly beat, Hughes is basically on a dead sprint. Towards towards Fields from from the go, and so as Fields is l- surveying the field, he you know uh, Hughes is able to get close to him. I mean, it was just like yikes! Like, it was one of the <laughs> worst reps I've ever seen. And- well, and the reason they ran that play
2: is to give Braxton protection. Yes, if you absolutely. have a rookie left tackle against a veteran pass rusher. You're not going to chip him. You can't chip him on every play. Right. You can't give a duo block on every play. So, some plays you're going to say, Hey, man, you know, not very many. If you're smart, you're going to say, Hey, man, you got to just man up. You're going to have Jerry Hughes. It's one on one. This is your play. We're going to give you like five of these today. And you're probably only going to win like two, but we're going to give you five. The other ones that aren't chips and aren't duos, you have to do something else. And what you do is, Run plays away from him. So he's got to make the longest possible arc to have any impact on the play, which says to Braxton, look, all you got to do is get a hand on him, push him out wide, extend the arc, you know, slow him up, trip him up, whatever you got to do. And we'll just run away from you. So he's not really going to be in the play from the get go. You saw teams do this with Khalil Mack all the time, right? They would just run stuff away from him on the other side, regardless of who the tackle was. So the whole reason they did this was to protect Braxton and he couldn't get enough on this particular play to even do that, which is like you said, a double bummer.
1: So overall, because this is the only pass play that I want to talk about because it was like the most egregious. <laughs> um, When there was chip help, he was fine. When there was the opportunity for Cody Whitehair to come over and, and cover up um that, covered up a couple blemishes. Like he got beat by, by a counter move. White hair was there to to soak it up. He really, uh, and if it wasn't Jerry Hughes, he was for the most part fine. So if it was a a lower grade pass rusher, he, you know, is basically matched up against somebody that didn't give him any issues against Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes beat him with speed. Jerry Hughes beat him with a counter. Jerry Hughes beat him with power. So I wanted to see if maybe he could handle some of those some aspects of that um on his own and you know, oh, he always struggles with speed or always oh, struggles with power you know uh, oh you know he, that he that counter he wasn't expecting whatever hughes used all the tools and all the tools worked and so that's going to be something that we're going to need to continue to watch down the line is what does he start picking up is he starting to approve part of that game he's gonna need another offseason of strength and conditioning work um i think that seems pretty obvious uh he's a rookie that's fine like that that happens but uh i think that from a from a pass protection technique standpoint if you have a good pass rusher on the other side you're gonna have to plan for it because um i'm not sure that he has the tools to handle that one-on-one right now that that's that's my that's my takeaway from from my reps against jerry hughes that's why i wanted to watch jerry hughes again like he's a good player I didn't think it was fair to do that judgment against Nick Bosa, but it's something to keep in mind. Fourth play, I wanted to talk about another running play. Um, he did this a lot, where he would basically not fire off the line, and he would kind of hesitate um, and let the defensive end uh, shoot up field, and then he would just kind of push him past. It was just kind, of, and that's it's not a it's not a unique technique, um, but he. In this in this case this is a uh, sorry third quarter 1019 left this is against Jerry Hughes he he does that hesitation but Hughes is so quick around the edge that yeah. he's able to uh basically uh, bend around Braxton real quick and he made a, a TFL on on uh on Herbert there and you know he did the the little hesitation let the guy get by uh you know push him up field a number of times Hughes had already seen it he knew it was coming and he beat him to the punch, um, and, and got rewarded with a tackle for loss. Some of the other players he did it to, and he was successful, but it's one of those things where you, you know, you can pull that out every once in a while, but you, you can't rely on it or you have to be able to to recover if that guy goes in quick. And he, he got caught, um, on that one and he was not able to recover. So that was uh that was a rough one. And then this would have been the other touchdown. Um, this was closer to the closer to the goal line. This is 8:49 left. Uh, run play. He's got Jerry Hughes in front of him. He is at the point of attack. This this ball is coming. It's is being run right between him and Cody Whitehair. He initially is a little bit of a stalemate. But then he does a really nice job of readjusting his hands and, and gets leverage, pushes Hughes back, knocks him over. And again, point of attack, blasting game comes in, Herbert behind him, scores a touchdown. That was a really nice uh, play for him to stick with it. To me, it was a plus because he could have just kind of stalemated there, but he was able to, to uh, readjust his hands, get leverage, and, and push Hughes over, um, which was the difference in the touchdown. So to me, uh, overall... I, I think that Braxton Jones had about what I expected him to have. He was maybe the, the the bad reps were split pretty evenly between runs and passes. It wasn't like oh he was amazing in the run game um, and he's terrible in the pass game. Um, he you know he had negatives in both. It was just that the Bears ran a lot. So you know relatively mm. speaking, uh, his his percentages would be a little better in the run. Um, the the two positive plays were run plays and that were both touchdowns that I think he deserves assists on. Um, he had positive reps on those two touchdown uh, runs that I don't think that they score unless he has those reps. So I would say that he overall was a positive, but there's a lot that they're, they are scheming knowing that Braxton is going to struggle. And so, like you said, they're rolling the pocket, they're chipping, um, they're, they're not putting it out, him out on the island a lot in pass reps, and they, they're not running necessarily at him all that often. They're, they're definitely preferring to run them to the to the right side rather than the left. So I wouldn't call him the weak link or anything like that, but he's not he's not the strength of this offensive line by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Yeah, he's learning. And he's learning. that's, that's the most important thing to keep in mind here. Um seen a bunch of conversation in chat about why he's starting, whether it's pass blocking, run blocking. Um Like, let's not make any mistake. The reason he was drafted is because he has a huge frame and his pass sets are very good. They passed a lot at Southern Utah. They did not run a lot at Southern Utah. And he is a very big guy that moves very well in pass pro. What they also didn't see a lot at Southern Utah were pass rushers that were anywhere near as good as Jerry Hughes. Forget Nick Bosa. (laughs) So what he is learning is my athleticism and my frame that worked against smaller guys, less skilled guys, whatever else. And I could engulf and kind of basically act as a break and then set and I could just envelop people. That's not really something that works at the NFL because there's a lot of guys Braxton Jones size in the NFL. There weren't in college, certainly not in a conference Southern Utah plays in. And he's learning that his very basic but good pass set repertoire is going to need a lot of tweaks. It's going to need tweaks for power. It's going to need tweaks for moves. It's going to need tweaks for all of that. Um, And he's learning. And in the meantime, he's trying to beat people up in the run game because he's got long arms. He's got a big frame, and he's trying to lean into people. Jerry Hughes has always been susceptible against the run. If you're going to beat Jerry Hughes, it is in run plays. You're going to be able to overpower him. He is not a uh a huge dig it out kind of defensive end he is a speed guy he's a get around guy um and somebody that can run down plays from the back side so he got on top of him a couple of times um the pass set stuff braxton's gonna have to continue he's gonna see new stuff every week you know next week yeah. he's gonna go against Kayvon thibodeau he's gone against Bosa and the rotating cast of characters for the 49ers. He's seen Jerry Hughes every week in the NFL. There is a good pass rusher and he's going to learn, learn something else by, by getting B right now, he's going to get that season of um, conditioning and development. And then he's going to have all this stuff in the middle world. And then we'll see like, Hey, did he figure out how to beat that hesitation move? Hey, did he figure out how to beat that chop move? Hey, did he figure out how to short set when he knows, that that guy's going to try and run right by him. Uh, You know, can he counter all that stuff? We'll figure it out. But he's got great physical tools. And again, for this season, you're going to have to let him develop and know that he's not going to win a ton of those one-on-one reps. And the ones that he does win, you're going to count as a bonus.
1: Yeah, there's a a comment on our our YouTube comments right here. I just wanted to highlight it. Vincent uh, says, the Herbert run, Braxton missed his man. And this is interesting. Um, If if it's the same run that I'm thinking of, because there were a lot of Herbert runs. There were 20 of them, to be exact. Um, But if he's talking about the big 50-yard run, what's interesting about that rep is that uh, it's very clear that Braxton is trying to get inside um, and seal off Malik Collins and Malik and then they're leaving the end man in line of scrimmage alone. So, so yeah. they're, they're, they're running to the right. They're leaving the end man. And it's Braxton's job to get inside of Malik Collins. Malik Collins jumps outside of him. So Malik Collins swims over uh, his, you know, his left. And so, so Braxton just like, well, all right. see ya. Malik Collins is such a, I mean, a, a pretty impressive athlete because he takes off after him and he, comes close to making the play about, I don't know, 15 yards downfield. But he's still a big defensive lineman. Herbert's able to either see him and avoid him or just on the arc that he was at, um, able to, like you said, erase the the pursuit angles of a guy like Malik Collins. And so, I mean, he jumped to his outside, when you're grading something like that, his job is to make sure that he seals. So if he jumps that way, that guy's wrong and he's not going to make the play nine, you know, 99 times out of 100 or 9 times out of 10 or whatever it is. So, again, when you're grading something like that, you say, oh, he got beat. Well, nah, he didn't get beat. He he actually did what he was supposed to. He made sure that Collins didn't make the play running in front of him. He didn't cut him off. He was able to seal him out. So there's there's certain things that you have to keep in mind where the play is going and not just exactly what it looks like right away. Braxton Jones did his job on that play. So anyway, one of those things that's just like, "Eh." it's like a screenplay, right? On a screenplay,
2: you see, you know, guards stand up and go, oh, you beat me because they need to get out and get to the second level because they're going to throw the ball over the head of those defenders that are going to flush into the backside. So at worst, they're just kind of standing up and then getting in the way as those guys trying to turn around. You know, you go, oh man, they gave up, they got beat instantly, right? Well, that's, that's the point. They're, they're trying to free themselves up to go get the second-level defenders once that lob comes. So you, it's a combination of no. On that play, it was very clearly, I'll call it the Red Sea, right? They're, everybody was just kind of turning to the outside. You see this sometimes in college where literally the protection or the blocking is each lineman stands up and turns like 45 to 90 degrees to the outside. And basically, they just run between the butts, right? And that's what happened on this play. Like it was wide open in the middle because again, the Texans slanted to the outside and the bears punched it right up the middle. There was nobody there. That was the tractor trailer hole. I was talking about on the Khalil Herbert play. Like there was no, like he ran through open space for eight to 11 yards before anybody even got close. And then he broke the one sort of diving ankle arm tackle. And then he was just off to the races. Then he just ran through the secondary, like straight up, just ran through the secondary. So, it's a little bit of everything, the rushing attack, again a historic day, best total since 82. Um, passing attack, Cool oh boy. Yeah, we talked about that at the pre-party. Um, the Bears had 29 yards in the first half of passing. 29 in this in this Sunday in 2022, 29 in this yards. This economy in yeah yeah we're talking about i said oh because i think it was courtney cronin posted that it was the biggest rushing day since 1982 or 1984 i think and i said well that's funny because the passing offense looks straight out of 1984 and everybody's like i think you screwed up your eight and your nine i think it was like 1894 i was like oh well maybe but um yeah it's a it's a tale of two cities right now the run blocking is working pretty well like that was a very good day. We saw again a whole bunch of extra yards generated by Khalil Herbert, but even on base, again, a hundred they would have had a hundred plus rushing yards between Fields and Herbert, even if he hadn't added all of those yards. The passing game, oh boy. Like there's there's some fundamental problems there. And we'll we'll get to those. But uh they gotta get fixed because if they don't get fixed and the Bears run into even a decent opponent, not gonna win anything in the modern NFL with you know hundred and something yards passing. Like that's not gonna
1: not gonna that's go for far. future JB and EJ to worry about because correct. This our future shelves was... problem. Yes. Yeah. We'll push that off. We'll hopefully get better tape to review. But that that's what we got today, man. Uh I think that this was fun and we'll continue to work through these different players that we think could be building blocks here. Let's uh, take another look at these beers though before we get out of here. Um I I gotta tell you, uh I have pretty successfully cut sugar out of my life Hmm. and i don't drink a lot of beer anymore i drink a beer with you and that's pretty much it i drink a lot of whiskey still but uh because that doesn't
2: have any sugar in it
1: (laughs) well it's just it's different it's converted sugars it's different and and so i I haven't really been drinking the beer haven't been drinking the sugar so this this belgian red uh pretty sugary uh and I, i gotta tell you not enjoyable when you're oh. not used to sugar. So oh, yeah. like it was just too much. And so I only had, a, uh, I only had about half of it again. I, I think it's got a really good flavor. And if you are unlike me and are still eating sugar, you probably love it. Uh, for me, it's just like, it was just a blast of, of too much sweetness. And I just, I couldn't handle it. So um, again, I know it's a good beer. I'm just not enjoying it. Things the same way anymore. What about yeah. you? Reds are reds go two ways. They either go towards that really heavy,
2: caramelly, sugary, like almost an amber just turned a little bit on its head to be a red. Um, that's one way. And the other way they go is kind of spicy, right? They'll they'll add some spices to it and, and it'll be a bit thinner, a bit tangier, a lot tangier, I'll say. Um, so it's always like, well, what kind of red is it, right? Because red's a pretty wide category. Um some of them I love and and some of them not so much. That one sounds like I'd actually like it based on the flavor profile. Um, this doesn't have a ton of sugar in it, it has a little bit of sweetness. It is sort of warmer and rounder than a lot of uh lagers. A lot of lagers, very crisp, very light. This happens to be like if a winter beer and a lager had a baby, right? If they met okay. in the middle, this would be it. It is it has a lot of flavor. Um you know, fairly high on the alcohol for a lager 6-2. Uh, I love it. I love the flavor combination profile. It is leading you into all those darker, heavier, you know, winter beers. But it is, you know, it's not yet there. It's, it's, it's like fall in a can. And I love that.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. I'd pick up some of that. Yeah. All right, well, let's get out of here. Uh, what's going on with you? I've, I, you know, I guess the big thing right now is we'd love to see a little bit more, more questions, more comments that you'd like us to address in the Sunday uh, gambling and fantasy live stream. Everybody, the, the, the thing on Twitter, the joke on Twitter is like, no one cares about your fantasy team. You know, uh, Denmaster Ken was like, hey guys, no one cares about your fantasy team, and I was like, correction. Eric Smith and I care about your fantasy team. Bring your questions, bring we, your trade man. offers, bring your Come start sits. We actually like talking about that stuff. We're weird. So if you have, if you wake up on Sunday morning and you're like, I don't know what bets to put in, I don't know what daily fantasy lineup to use. I don't know who to start sit. I don't know if I should accept this trade offer from this guy who keeps nagging me about it. Bring it to us and, and we'll be the arbiters. We'll let you we'll let you know. So we're having a lot of fun. Uh, and we've been profitable um, every week, uh, which is not something a lot of betting shows can say. Uh, Ross and I have been doing quite well on the, the betting end of it. Uh, we've been very close to doing really, really well, um, but we have been profitable <laughs> every week and that's, that is all that matters. Uh, And so that that's been a lot of fun. That's that's going to be Sundays at 10 um, unless we have to like move it around again if I end up going to that relocated if they relocate that game up to Minneapolis, um, they may have to move the show up a little bit to give us some time in Minneapolis but Sunday mornings 10 o'clock on this on this YouTube channel Second City Gridiron YouTube channel for those of us who are joining us there. um, It's just a YouTube product. It's not it's not a podcast because we're doing it right before the game start. Um, Love to have you there. And uh, how's uh, how's Thursday night football live stream going? It's good. We've been having a lot of fun. First week we had fun, but we had audio issues
2: that were phantom. Uh, we isolated that. There's there's no more Robo EJ voice. Sorry for those of you that liked it better. Um, we cleaned up all the audio issues and had a had a really good broadcast. I think last Thursday and are really looking forward to this Thursday. I mean, okay, yeah. Dolphins Bengals, two of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Teams that definitely have some holes, Bengals more than Dolphins. But a little spoiler alert, if if you're into defense, if you're one of those people like Jesse Bates versus Javon Holland on, on safety, that's like literally two of the best safeties playing in the NFL right now. That is pure safety porn. If you are into safety play, check out Thursday night's game. Two of the best doing it right now, going at it. Um, so what's your you, safety word for that game? Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I could probably come up with one for each team that would annoy them greatly. Uh, but it's it should be a great game. should be fun. Both teams are fairly healthy. Tua's not in concussion protocol. I don't know how, but he's not. Um, so he'll be there. Burrows, you know, legs haven't been cut out from under him yet, despite the long-developing offense and offensive line play that hasn't been great. So it should be, should be ton of fun. Um, we'll be filling out slips for that from prize picks, both before the game and at halftime. Uh, Brett finally got five out of five last week. He finally hit five out of five. He's been like you, he's been tickling it the whole season. He was four out of five on his first two or three slips, uh, hit a five out of five on the Thursday live stream last week. So we're, we're getting better. Um, and then bootleg football podcast drops every Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. It'll be out late tonight. Um, but yeah we're we're plowing ahead tons of football um digging in having fun this week was a little uh odd there were a lot of sort of ugly games that a lot of fan bases wanted to forget but i'm i'm hoping that next week we just wipe that slate clean and go right into week four with uh, eyes wide open get a lot of good football
1: love it it's all deadly all right man well we'll get out of here uh we'll stick around for a couple q a for the youtube people but uh for those of you listening to podcast, thanks for joining us Until next time, fair down.